0: Hello and welcome to episode 93 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am
1: Jacob Miracle.
0: When I was just saving this episode... I accidentally saved it as 983, and there was just such an audible shudder from both of our bodies. 983,
1: could you imagine? (laughs) That is like another fifty years. It's got to be at least some
0: serious geriatric podcasting today.
1: Somebody's (laughs) stealing my change out of my pockets (laughs) today on Gumcast. That really
0: reminds me of this this like just beautiful little old lady who used to come in the library. Did I ever tell you about her? Mm, No. I loved her so much, but she would read in the newspaper whatever, like, the top kind of grossing films were, and she wanted to watch them and see what they were. But, like, the top grossing films do not necessarily match up to what this sweet little old lady wants to be watching in her life.
1: Almost certainly never does. No,
0: so she would, like, get them out. And then she'd come back and just be like... Pfft. I did not like that iron man. And I was like, no of course you didn't, you cute old lady. I loved her.
1: Like you did you didn't you know it was a comic book <laughs> movie? Come on. Let's go get you going with the wind. But
0: way. I really liked that you wanted to stay with it.
1: I mean, yeah, no, that good. could be us. That's going to be that is going to be us. Can you even imagine That's what really movies horrifying. are going
0: to be? 983 horrifying. Oh, my VR movie experience. Yeah, <laughs>
1: like, it's going to be VR versions of us or we're going to be like in. The there collective. will be no
0: more movie theaters. Everything will be viewed from all oh, speaking of you from home. So, OK, we're obviously doing this before Thanksgiving, uh, but it's after Thanksgiving for listeners. So I hope it was great. I hope everybody gained five pounds of delicious foodness. Ideally. But. I think on thanksgiving night i'm gonna i'm gonna dip into the Irishman,
1: oh really? If you start watching it right at the end of Thanksgiving, you might be able to finish it by the time this episode I airs.
0: I am totally ignorant. So I heard it was coming out. I knew it was Martin Scorsese. I this knew is the cast. Sec-
1: this is the second time that there's been a huge pop culture event in the last couple of weeks. You didn't know about Disney Plus Well, no, 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 no.
0: I knew that it was happening. Like I heard Irishman, Martin Scorsese, the cast. So I didn't need to read. I didn't need to watch the trailer. Sure. I didn't need to look anything up. I knew I'm, I'm going to watch it. Especially, oh, it's going to be on Netflix. Yeah, I'm 100% going to consume this. So yesterday. Yesterday, I watched the trailer for the first time because it popped up on Netflix, and I was like, three and a half hours?
1: It's brutal.
0: Three and a half hours? Unless you're one of the Lord of the Rings movies, yeah. this is a hard sell. It's like
1: you, you look at me, Scorsese. I know you're over here criticizing comic book movies, but we're in and out of there in two hours, man. Three and a half, that is r- ludicrous. I
0: can see now why it is not going to theaters because that's asking a lot of It did of go to theaters. It's in theaters It went right to now. a couple. It didn't go to many Oh, no. Well, and it didn't open in all cities.
1: I certainly wouldn't have gone to see it in a theater. Like, no. Three and a half no, hours? No way.
0: And it was at North Park, which most beautiful theater. And I... Frequent there, but I'm not going there for three and a three-and-a-half-hour movie with those old seats. No, That's got, not good, happening. No, 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 no.
1: It's got to be recliners or nothing. Even then, like, I'm going to be asleep by 2.45. I need
0: bathroom breaks. I need snacks. So I'm looking forward to eating, like, leftover pie, watching it, pausing it as often as I want. Because, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it's cool.
1: It's, it's sound. I hear good reviews about it. It's right. the best picture race and everything.
0: Okay, great. I
1: mean, you know, I don't know about the casting De Niro in a movie called The Irishman. Maybe...
0: Maybe w- it's not about him being I, Irish. No, it's probably st- about somebody else. I had to give him. Cillian
1: Murphy a look or somebody, you know, something that kind of fits the what title What makes you it.
0: think that he's the Irishman at all?
1: Uh, he's the star of the
0: movie.
1: So? Otherwise, why are you calling it the Irishman?
0: A million other reasons. Maybe they're trying to find an Irishman. Well, Maybe some Irishman died. I feel like there's a, like, a oh, bajillion reasons. Do you think
1: the Irishman is Joe Pesci or Al Pacino? No. Because there's problems abound with that I title. think
0: Al Pacino is Jimmy Hoffa?
1: Well, he's certainly not the Irishman in that Maybe
0: movie. Maybe I got sure. from the trailer. Anyway. Well, we're
1: going to find out, everybody, in three and a half to 12 hours that it takes to watch that movie.
0: We're going to find out, and then we're going to tell you like a whistleblower. <laughs> did that work? I like work? how
1: you did that Did that there? work
0: as a transition?
1: I did. <laughs> I, it was beautiful. It was a smooth. You saw it coming. Uh,
0: thank you. So I'm uh, currently listening to the audiobook Permanent Record by mm-hmm. Edward Snowden, Oh, um, which well. I'm very interested in him. I think Edward Snowden is an, is an amazing American. I'm on the side that he did a service to the people. Um, but I'm, I'm newly listening to the book, but it definitely got me thinking about whistleblowers. And obviously, unless you live under a rock in this country, you're constantly hearing it because of the ongoing investigation into um, the Trump blackmailing Ukraine situation. So... Yeah, it's like, let's talk more about whistleblowers in books, which there are plenty of, and in some movies. I
1: like where your head's at there. Yeah. I definitely like that now that you've been more specific, because when you initially said whistleblower, I was like, hey, I'm a professional whistleblower, man. I'm a New York State soccer and lacrosse official, so I'm doing that. I'm going to be on top of this category. And You're then I'm just
0: like, gross. It's just it's not even funny. No one's laughing. There's You're th- alone there. here. There's about
1: three people laughing in the back. You that's, can hear them.
0: That's debatable. I heard my dad audibly groan. Okay, oh, so go. I want to start. I'm not going to talk too much about um, permanent record yet, because I just kind of left his childhood and he's like 20 years old, so I haven't gotten to the crux of the right, story Right, the yet. whole point.
1: got to do that build-up, though.
0: But I do want to talk about another book, uh, which is about him. This, this was a big book. It's called No Place to Hide, Edward Snowden, the NSA, and the U.S. Surveillance State by Glenn Greenwald. So the premise of the book is that in May 2013, it was Glenn Greenwald who set out for Hong Kong to meet with an anonymous source – who claimed that he had just astonishing evidence of pervasive government spying and assisted on communicating only through heavily encrypted channels. So obviously the source turned out to be 29-year-old NSA contractor and whistleblower Edward Snowden. And his revelations were about the agency's widespread systemic overreach And it proved to be some of the most explosive and consequential news in recent history, which kind of triggered a debate over national security and information privacy. And as this argument, I think, continues to rage on, the government, I mean, maybe is considering various proposals for reform. Um, But it's definitely clear that we are yet to see the full impact of Snowden's disclosures and sadly. I mean, personally, I feel like not enough happened. There was not enough reaction to the bombshell that well, he dropped on us. Well, I
1: feel like some people had just grown accustomed to it or just didn't care at that point. They're like, yeah, they kind of just assumed that that was always going on in the first place.
0: I so. mean, I don't know. I think a lot of people just didn't understand. There was a lot of spin, so then people thought, like, oh, he disclosed terrible things to WikiLeaks, and which he did none of those. He disclosed very specific things to journalists, trust, trusting their integrity To only, you know, tell the story that he was trying to tell there. So for the first time in this book, Greenwald, he kind of fits all the pieces together and he recounts, like, his high-intensity 10-day trip to Hong Kong, examining the broader implications of the surveillance detailed in his reporting for The Guardian and revealing fresh information on the NSA's unprecedented abuse of power with some never-before-seen documents in the book that were entrusted to him by Snowden himself. So... As a fascinating book, it makes you feel kind of bad because <laughs> you're like, uh, this is happening. Every phone call that I am making, text that I'm sending, email that I'm putting out there is all saved and all viewable by the government. And that's messed up.
1: Yeah. It's
2: not not at all a and good situation.
0: Snowden is over living in Russia. So I have a quick clip of him talking to an interviewer um, just about maybe his motivations or why he did what he did.
3: All right, let's hear it. I believed in the goodness of what we were doing. I believed in the nobility of our intentions to free oppressed people uh, overseas. But over time, over the length of my career, uh, as I watched the news and I increasingly was exposed to true information that had not been propagandized in the media, uh, that we were actually involved in misleading the public and misleading all publics, not just the American uh, public, in order to create a certain mindset in the the global consciousness. And I was actually a victim of that. Um, America is a fundamentally good country. We have good people with good values who want to do the right thing. But the structures of power that exist are working to their own ends to extend their capability at the expense of the freedom of all publics
0: okay so it's
3: uplifting i mean you know
0: <sighs> i just hope that this ends well for him It which probably I'd, will not
1: it probably will he's not. he's probably going to be a permanent russian citizen which you know stinks
0: and but. nothing really changed and they're still
1: he gets a lot of interviews on TV these days, so that's nice. He did, um, you know, because you, everybody knows you're more the reader of this group, but I actually did see a movie on this one. There was,
0: oh, yeah. The- there
1: was that uh, 2016 Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie uh, directed by Oliver Stone that came out. Didn't really do great. Nobody what was it really called? It was called Snowden.
0: Oh, okay. It, they, I did see it. He got
1: real creative with the title. <laughs> um, you know, it, it covers all the story, and it was one of those movies that even getting it made was a problem. He actually could not get funding from any American production companies to make the movie. So, oh, really? Mm, so he had to self-fund it, and then he had to go find some funding out of France in Germany, which is why the movie is filmed in Germany.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and the budget was so tight, his mom actually died while they were making the movie. And he couldn't attend her funeral because it would have meant shutting down production for four days. And Get they, out. Yeah. And they could not afford to shut down the movie for that long. So he just had to be See, like, yeah, sorry, it See, that just ma.
0: shows you I feel like that it's because it's such an important story and we've really disregarded it.
1: Yeah. Nobody ever mentions it or talks about it. Like, there's other more important stuff that doesn't ca- like matter as much. And it's like, yeah. no, it's this pretty important kind of deal that's going on here, guys.
0: But yeah, it's a movie worth seeing. If you can't grab either of the books, yeah, I think I mean, you get an idea through that. No, nah, you
1: get the idea. It's an Oliver Stone movie. So, you know, Oliver Stone movie in 2016. Um, so, you know, okay, good, good with the bad. It is as usual. It's going to be definitely his vo- his point of view in the movie, but do it's you, worth checking out.
0: Do you want to discuss another one or should I pop into a book? What do you want to do here? I go with the book. Okay. And then you follow me again? Yeah. You're sound, the best. Sounds like a plan to me. So this is a new book that came out this year. It has gotten so much press. It is it looks really big. <laughs> like it looks like a tomb when I see that it. Sounds like my kind of book. It's called Crisis of Conscience Whistleblowing in an Age of Fraud by Tom Mueller. Okay. So The idea of the book is that whistleblowers force us to confront fundamental questions about the balance, obviously, between free speech and state secrecy, and between individual um, morality and corporate power. So, In this book, Tom Mueller traces the rise of whistleblowing through a series of riveting cases drawn from the world of healthcare and other businesses, Wall Street and Washington, And he draws on in-depth interviews with more than 200 different whistleblowers and the trailblazing lawyers who go to battle for them. Plus, there's politicians and intelligence analysts, government watchdogs, cognitive scientists, other experts. He worked on this book for like seven years. So the timing is just funny that it happens to come out this year when you know whistleblowing is all over Google. But um, he's worked on this for a long time. And you kind of come to see with reading the book – that these free thinking, outspoken citizens are kind of for whom the republic was conceived. Like they are the models that we must emulate if democracy is gonna survive. You know, like whistleblowers are hugely important people telling us when things like are going bad. And they're just like, this, I can't, I can't watch this. Like, even though I was reading all of these statistics about, Most whistleblowers end up getting fired. Of course. And nothing really comes of it. Um, But there are some who end up being successful and company policies have to change or they end up um, getting paid through this like fund that funds whistleblowers and things like that. But oh, this I didn't know is, there was a fund. Yeah, there is. Um, but this, this Crisis of Conscience, Whistleblowing in the Age of Fraud, this is a big book this year, so definitely grab that from the library.
1: Oh, I didn't. I never heard of it, so I'm happy you were able to point it out there.
0: Yeah, he's very interesting. I listened to a bunch of interviews with him. Um, and you can just tell, like, the work was put into this book. I mean, anything that you work on for seven years, <laughs> like, I would hope, it shows.
1: Yeah, I would hope that you would have some kind of attachment, and it would hopefully be good at that point, yeah, too. Yeah,
0: definitely. So, check it out.
1: All right, you know what else I'm going to go with? I'm going to go with 2017's The Post, the Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep movie. Did you ever see it?
0: I did. It was okay. It
1: was okay, it's, but the
0: storyline yeah. was very good.
1: Yeah, that's what we want to discuss here. So the storyline is about the uh, the Pentagon Papers, which, if you are unfamiliar, were a grouping of papers that were released in the nineteen seventies during the Nixon administration. Basically, what they were was it was a collection of notes and emails and stuff through various presidential um, administrations, going all the way back to like Kennedy and such, about the American involvement in Vietnam and how way before it became obvious that it was a stupid thing to do and that it was an unwinnable war, they were already talking government. They're like, well, we there's really nothing we can actually do to win here, but we can't afford to just walk away, so we just have to keep acting like They're we can really win it. They're really terrible papers. Oh, they are pretty uh, damning for the government. So wow. what happened was the New York Times was going to um, do these papers, but they got like an injunction put on them by the court, so then the Washington Post, uh, which was owned by, what's her name, Catherine Graham, um, who had just inherited from her husband, she was like her first thing running the paper, so it makes it a story about feminism, too, and in power. I like, mean, she had women a in power. very
0: difficult decision to make, without a doubt.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because they knew releasing these papers against Nixon is like, yeah. you're going to get in trouble. He is not going to just take that lying down. Yeah. So- you know they have to agonize over whether or not they're going to release these papers because obviously they are going to put a blight on the government. And as she finds out, you know, people that she may know or her own family might have been kind of mixed up in the whole deal the whole time. So yeah. this could even hurt herself while watching it. But the movie—it's a Spielberg movie, so you know it's going to. I don't know what up. it
0: was lacking. Like, it wasn't bad. It was just like a three-star movie, but it was definitely lacking something. Maybe the pacing?
1: Excitement is what it was ex- uh, missing. I guess so, it,
0: even though the, the subject itself is incredibly exciting, so I'm not sure what went wrong. I mean, it's just but, like
1: older Spielberg movie. It's just, unless it's like action it's kind of just stayed and well-made. Possibly. Everything about it is a solid 8.5. Nothing really gets above that, but... The, the story of the Pentagon Papers is one that people forget about, and it's kind of, I feel like eventually it's going to come out for the current wars that there's something some shady doings afoot that's going oh, to come out in the future I'm, about this old business. I don't business, think so. anyone's
0: doubting that. So. It's kind of
1: like a look in the past to see our future. But you get to watch Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks act for two, um, for two hours, and that's never Everybody a bad thing. Everybody likes that. Yeah, so okay. go check it out.
0: All right, this one, they're getting a little darker here. Uh, um, that's what I like. This next book is called The Whistleblower, Sex Trafficking, Military Contractors, and One Woman's Fight for Justice by Katherine Bulkovic. Okay. Okay. So she was a Nebraska police officer, divorced mother of three, and Katherine Bulkovic saw a recruiting announcement for private military contractor, Dincorp International. So she applied and she was hired. So it was good money and world travel and the chance to help rebuild a war-torn country. So she thought it sounded like a perfect job. And she was shipped out to Bosnia where Dean Corp... Um, it's actually DYN Corp so I'm not sure if I'm saying that. Yeah, right? I
1: hit that same probably Dean DynCorp, Corp. Let's say
0: DynCorp yeah. has had been contracted to support the UN peacekeeping mission. So she was assigned as a human rights investigator heading the gender affairs unit. So she kind of felt like the lack of proper training provided was like the first alarm bell once she arrived in Sarajevo. But then she found out things were much worse, and at great risk to her personal safety, she began to unravel the ugly truth about officers involved in human trafficking and forced prostitution and their connections to private mercenary contractors in the UN and the US State Department. So after bringing this evidence to light, of course, she was demoted. Course. She was threatened with bodily harm and fired and ultimately forced to flee the country of, under the cover of darkness, but she brought with her incriminating documents. So thanks to the evidence she collected, she won a lawsuit against them, finally exposing them for what they had done. So this is her story and the story of all these women that she helped achieve justice for. It's really intense. It, it It's a really disgusting, terrible thing that was happening that she witnessed. So we're really lucky to have her step forward. I actually have a a little clip of her um, giving kind of a presentation about it to a group. So I just wanted to play like a bit of it through her words. All right, let's
1: hear it.
2: During my years as a UN human rights investigator, I observed many diverse and inexcusable acts. These acts included sexual harassment of female employees within the walls of the UN, Government contractors and international aid workers who were becoming end users of pornography, strip clubs, and the facilitation of prostitution. I interviewed international police officers and international aid workers who admittedly purchased foreign women to keep at home as them as their girlfriends. I became aware of rape tapes being distributed by the Department of Defense contractors on military bases. I worked with Bosnian law enforcement officers who put their lives and jobs on the line when they reported cases of military and UN officials participating in the transport of young girls across international borders. I witnessed the inaction and dismissive behavior of UN officials on reports of sexual violence and sexual misconduct alleged against UN peacekeepers. I witnessed and experienced and lived the retaliation against those officials who try to investigate and report
1: so R- yeah really uplifting little sound clip here, let <laughs> yeah, me did tell you. you like that i did you know actually that's another one because you must be all up in my head today um i actually remember seeing the movie for this one from uh 2010
0: Oh, I've never seen the yeah. movie.
1: Stars my ex-wife, Rachel Weisz. Oh, she's... Probably <laughs> why I don't really want to talk about it. It's a sore <laughs> subject. Um, but yeah, it's it um, covers this whole story. Uh, it was a very big like indie kind of movie back then.
3: Okay.
1: Um, it's pretty brutal to watch, that's yeah. for sure. And um, you know what's depressing about it? Even with this whole whistleblower thing that came out about it, th- it didn't really matter. This is a case where it did not... It didn't mean anything nothing, in the end. Nothing changed. No, because Dean Corp actually is is, is still ha- is still around. They have a eight year one point five billion dollar contract with the U.S. And, um, oh. Army, or U.S. military, that just um, picked up. So
3: that's terrible. You know,
1: you would think that when you're invo- obviously involved in sex trafficking, that maybe the government would be like, whoa, maybe we don't want to work with you. But they're like, well, no. they they yeah. did underbid by a hundred million dollars, so we're gonna go with them. <sighs> depressing times sorry sorry
0: Catherine, for going through that and it's still happening but this is good and i think that's why these books are important because a lot of times you just don't know that these things are happening you didn't know maybe people don't even know it was a thing so you know grab the book and educating yourself can only make things better that's always the step in the right direction oh
1: absolutely like you know it's good to know it's better to know not than not to know yeah Speaking of knowing and not knowing, okay. I also got. I'm gonna go with a quick little, quick little hit here. 2015's Concussion, starring Will Smith. You know, it,
0: I never saw it. I still haven't seen it. It's
1: very okay movie. Okay. A, lot, a lot of the things with these movies is, with, with few exceptions, are usually just kind of middling and okay movies. But it's the story behind them that matters. Yeah. So this is the story of uh, Doctor Bennett Omalu who was um, the man who basically brought um, CTE and concussions to the forefront of the sports world. Yeah, It was basically revolves around uh, after Steelers, um, Pro Bowl, and Hall of Fame center Mike Webster killed himself, people were kind of wondering, like, what was going on in this dude's head because he was kind of homeless, he wasn't really doing anything, he was having a lot of mental issues, a lot of problems with memory, and yeah. people were like, what what happened here? This guy was like a huge athlete, big star in F- Pittsburgh, and he just decides to kill himself. So that led into more research where people were like, well, maybe it had something like what changed in his life that threw him off. They started thinking more about like his football career and like could that have had some kind of an effect like on his brain and everything. So through some research, they started to notice that football players, especially because that's what they were looking at, because of the repeated blows to the head and all the undiagnosed head injuries they had over time, started to mess with their brains like they would yeah. have like bruises or they would have big lesions on their brain that would cause like seizures or me- uh, early onset Alzheimer's they would have um their mood swings like it would completely change their personality from these repeated head injuries and when he tried to bring these findings to light especially to the NFL they kind of, like, shunned him away. They were kind of, like, laughing at him, saying that he was doing junk science, that it wasn't true.
0: Yeah, but now we know that, that it is all true. But what has happened there?
1: Pretty much nothing, nothing as again. well. Nothing <laughs> again. Most of what they've done is the NFL has taken some public steps to do it, whereas you're not allowed to target the head. They, If you even tap somebody's head nowadays in the yeah. NFL, they will call a penalty on you. But, I mean, it's pro football. You're still, It's
0: happening anyway. All of those guys... I mean Wait, everyone in defense is getting their head smashed yeah like, how that's do you just what's you can't
1: tackle somebody you can't no. play on the offensive line without smashing your head into people so they haven't really come up with a thing but now they just know like you know that this is a thing that you're probably gonna have to deal with so and parents have had to grip um wrestle with this fact and participation in youth football has actually gone down and a lot of it has led to more flag football leagues as opposed to like full contact and they don't let you start till high school So, there has been some movement on it, and it's good that they've started looking at it in other sports as well. Um, But it's amazing to think that before this, like they did some research into this because of the guy's suicide, that nobody ever thought that, hey, maybe getting smashed in the head every (laughs) single day for years on end isn't a good idea. Who'd have thunk it? I um, do
0: have to check that out. I'm yeah. going to add that to my if, list. If
1: nothing, for just for Will Smith's accent. Accent, oh, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. T- <laughs> tell the truth. Tell you, the truth. You
0: hate everybody's accent so I, much. I
1: like Tom Hardy's, but man, it's brutal for Will uh, Smith.
0: Okay, so I have a bunch more, but this one, this one's kind of crazy. So it is called... Lucifer's Banker, The Untold Story of How I Destroyed Swiss Bank Secrecy by Bradley C. Birkenfeld.
1: It's about time somebody dug into Lucifer's finances. I always (laughs) knew that dude was up to something.
0: So as a private banker working for the largest bank in the world, which is called UBS, Bradley Birkenfeld was an expert in Switzerland's shell game of offshore companies and secret numbered accounts. Um, he though, he whined and dined ultra wealthy clients whose millions of dollars are hidden away from business partners and spouses and tax authorities. And as his client list grew, I mean, this guy lived a life of money and cars and women and everything that he wanted. But he discovered that UBS was planning to betray him. So he was like, oh no. So he blew the whistle to the U.S. government about what was going on here. So originally the Department of Justice scorned his unprecedented whistleblowing and attempted to silence him with a conspiracy charge. Oh. Yeah, but he wouldn't be he wasn't intimidated and he took his secrets to the US Senate, the Securities and Exchange Commission, and the IRS, and then he eventually prevailed. So this bombshell revelation helped the US Treasury recover over fifteen billion dollars and counting in back taxes, fines, nice. and penalties from American tax cheats. But this dude was discover. he was like shocked to discover that at the same time that he's cooperating with the U.S. government that the Department of Justice was still pursuing him. And eventually he was arrested for his part in it. And he served 30 months in federal prison. But
1: got to remember to get that immunity, my man.
0: When he emerged, the IRS gave him the- a whistleblower award because I told you there is this fund for it of one hundred and four million dollars. What? Yes, it's the largest such reward in history. Hold
1: up. Wait, they did they got like this kind of money in a whistleblower fund?
0: Well, I mean, well, he's recovering 15 billion plus dollars because of what information he brought forward. So, yeah, Jeez. I'm sure that they can give him this. So, yeah, this is like a page-turning real-life thriller because it's a really a, f- a fascinating look behind the scenes at the secret Swiss Banking industry That we all know Is happening But we're never Going to be a part of Because we don't Have the money And they don't Care about us Like
1: we think Of Swiss, Switzerland <laughs> We're thinking About cheese And watches And they're over here Throwing millions And billions of dollars In secret accounts yeah. You sneaky Swiss There's
0: a lot going on That we don't know about No, but one, no wonder they're Felt neutral But Really helped Bring that to the forefront We so. want to
1: talk about Game in the world Switzerland man Like we don't get Into fights Just give us all your money Just give us all
0: your money And we,
1: nobody will know A thing about us It'll
0: <laughs> la, be awesome La, la. <laughs> Sounds fine You like that
1: flag over there. It's it's red and white. So
0: when you talk about movies, can you talk about my favorite next? My.
1: um... um you talking about the my ins- Russell Crowe Insider yes. that was actually next on my list.
0: Yes, because I love this movie. So
1: 1999's Michael Main Cla Michael Main. Michael <laughs> Mann classic, The Insider. Oh boy, this is a great movie.
0: Based today. on only an article. Yeah. Which is interesting.
1: That the fact they were able to pull this whole movie out. So this is basically. The story of Jeffrey Wigand um, and his interview on 60 Minutes that basically (sighs) led to another thing that seemed obvious, but apparently people didn't know, (laughs) that Uh, cigarettes were bad for you. Who would have thought, right? I know. But it turns out that they are. You shouldn't smoke. It gives you cancer. But back in the 90s, people were like, you know, uh, we need all the facts on this one. So this guy came forward with a bunch of uh, medical records and such that the um, tobacco companies were just holding on to didn't want to release that very obviously gave the idea that smoking gives you cancer and all sorts of other health diseases.
0: Yeah,
1: oh, He came not with they it. They
0: always knew. They always knew. Always it knew. Was it was n- never a secret. Never though. a question.
1: Makes you wonder why everybody thought it was a question because it seems so obvious Ugh. that it's almost ludicrous that people didn't believe it. Um, and then the extent that the tobacco companies understandably tried to hide and put pressure on like TV companies and newspapers to try to just get this guy's reputation destroyed
0: i mean what can i just say right now that is fascinating is this sudden push now i'm not saying that vaping nicotine is great because we don't know sure but i feel fairly confident that taking in this vapor is still better than the literal like rat poison and things that are in cigarettes because you're consuming nicotine, but not all of the chemicals that go along with it. But it is so funny that like one person died or was severely injured from vaping illegal marijuana. So like it's totally different.
1: Yeah, not even the the same thing.
0: Not the same thing at all. This is some garbage that someone probably made in their garage and started selling. But I have read that this push of like, oh, vaping is terrible, terrible. Who is pushing all of that? It's the tobacco industry. Yeah. They're the ones coming out. And I saw this um, this crazy picture on the internet of in a store. So we're like, looking at a whole end cap, which is totally stocked, except the top shelf. And the top shelf is empty with a sign that says, due to health issues, we will no longer be selling vapes. And the rest of the end cap is cigarettes.
1: It is ludicrous. What? It's like, are you serious right now? Like, nobody's noticing this? It's the same thing when it comes to like other kind of legislations. It's like, yeah, this we're and just the lobbyists
0: g- are pushing because they give the politicians all the money. Big tobaccos, like, here's all the money, say vaping's bad. And they're like, Okay. Yeah, like, vaping's bad. bad. Sure. Oh.
1: Of, of course, clear <laughs> n- mind you neither me or Michelle are vapors, but it no. still is something that we're looking at like it doesn't make any sense, everybody. And just I just logically. want
0: cigarettes gone from the face of this. Oh, earth. yeah. They're like stupid. you're the worst.
1: Get them out of here. Get him out of here. And that's what Russell Crowe gave the performance of his lifetime for because...
0: He is great in that movie. I mean,
1: people try to talk about Gladiator or A Beautiful Mind. No, no, no. The Insider is where it's at for I Russell wish
0: Crow. he had won for that. I think that would have been... A justified win I can't Wait, I did, forgot he to was write definitely down nominated. he was
1: definitely nominated he I wish I had written down who won that year because I feel like it was somebody who deserved it yeah. I don't feel like everybody was mad but I think in hindsight everybody's like you could have given that to Russell Crowe and I don't think anybody would have been upset no this strikes me as like saying. maybe Denzel Washington's year for training day or something
0: oh okay well so, that it's it's a tough call they yeah have a tough but call, he's like but all right fine you That's, have to right. see if you haven't seen that movie that is a great great one it's
1: also good to see back before Al Pacino stopped trying back he was still making movies. And How did I know you'd start good.
0: complaining about Ale? Why don't you, on that note of misery, why don't you just end the show and plug us up? Of
1: course, but everything you hear on All Booked Up is available at your local library, everybody. So head on down, check it out, ask them, say, I heard, this, I heard about this movie or book on All Booked Up, I want it, and they'll be like, we got you, man. So stop on by. We got 37 branches all over Erie County and a bookmobile. So you can go ahead and look at the website, www.buffalolib.org. Find out where it's going to be great, great, great. Say hi, great stuff. check out your online Overdrive, all that kind of stuff. Guys, there's so much stuff the library gives there's you. There's
0: a lot, actually. If you go on the Overdrive site where you get ebooks and e there there is a whole category of ebooks and e audio heard on All Booked Up. Yeah. We have our own little section. So we took the work out of it for you. And I give this list to the librarian, she's going to add them right on there, so these will be there too if they are available.
1: I know that's purchase. what I'm doing. I'm going to be like, I'm going to go look this up. I need to get my insider Absolutely.
0: On. And follow us on All Booked up Pod at Twitter. And we forgot to ask for so long, but if you think of it, if you have a moment, if you still have the spirit of Thanksgiving in you, please go on iTunes and rate us. We would love that. If you want to leave a review, you're a king among men, but we would love to be rated. Yeah, so thank you.
1: Gets us up those lists, gets us more noticed. You know, that never hurts everybody. It never hurts.
0: Okay, so it was really difficult to find any sort of facts to give you about whistleblowing because if you Google whistleblowing right Mm -hmm. now in the world, it is pretty specific of what is going on. You get a lot of that. But I did think it was really interesting. Um, I was kind of playing with the idea of whistleblowing as truth versus lying. And I actually found that truth serum which I've always been kind of interested in, doesn't actually prevent you from lying at all. So never worry oh. if someone's going to give you a truth serum.
1: So you could lie about the truth serum working. <laughs> the like
0: movies it. have lied to you about sodium penthanol. Um It doesn't make people tell the truth, but what it does do, it kind of causes them to spew an endless stream of information. Hmm. Like you kind of can't turn it off. So some truth will come out. Okay, But some fantasy will also come out with it because your mental filters have been temporarily removed. So you cannot trust all this stuff that's Hmm. coming out.
1: Well, it's still better than, you know, getting your teeth beat out or like beat up in a chair. Sure,
0: sure, sure. I'd rather have that. Um, A 2012 study found that when subjects told just three fewer white lies per week, just tell three less lies a week, they reported noticeable relief from tension and melancholy and fewer physical ailments like sore throats and headaches.
1: Mm. This is
0: a real study.
1: Mm, still a hard pass. Not pass lying
0: it. makes you healthier.
1: Mm, it's a, it's a rough. I don't know.
0: I mean, it is rough because in another study, um, Americans were asked to estimate how many times they lie, and the average was at least once or twice per day.
1: Those numbers sound fabricated. <laughs>
0: sounds
1: a bit, sounds a <laughs> bit low, everybody.
0: Why are we, why are we lying so much? But not only to other people, but to ourselves. Because cheaters and boasters often seem like transparent liars to other people. Okay, but it is likely that they are actually fooling themselves. So a study published in 2011 showed that people who cheated their way into better scores on tests um, nevertheless overvaluated their own abilities, despite the fact that they knew they had cheated. They still were like, look how good I did. Like, I'm really smart. So it is just as easy to fool yourself with lies as it is to fool other people. Boy, talk
1: talk about topical, let me tell you. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right, Right on the nose there.
0: All right. So thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you had a great holiday. And we will catch you next time. Bye.